Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We're going to talk some USC versus UNLV opening weekend for the Trojans and the Running Rebs. We're going to, we have a special guest. We have Joe Arrigo uh, talking about UNLV. We're going to talk to him in a second. The podcast today sponsored by mybookie.ag. We're going to do some talk about the odds of this game. You play in Las Vegas. You play in Las Vegas team. We want to talk about the odds, the, the over-under uh, the spread in this game is 26 and a half. So we're going to talk about all that a little bit later with Rafael Esparza from Doc Sports Service. Uh, but right now, like I mentioned, we need to talk to my buddy Joe. Joe Arrigo. Follow him on Twitter at Joe, A-R-R-I-G-O. He's the publisher for Inside the Rebels, InsideTheRebels.com. He knows everything about UNLV. Also, the Raiders will be moving there in a couple of years. Joe, thanks so much for coming on. What's up, man? Hey, buddies. Good to hear your voice again, man. It's been a long time. It's been a while. We met. So if you don't know, so Joe and I met when the Beast 980 was a thing in Los Angeles a few years back. And Joe was kind enough to, to have have me. Actually, me and David Woods, we came on. Um, I would talk USC and David would talk UCLA. Yeah, you, you guys you guys came on to drive with uh, Brett Winterbull, George Reister, and myself with Ted Sobel. And then I remember National Signing Day. We did a big thing with you and with Dave for uh, you guys were our insiders for uh, USC and UCLA National Signing Day. I believe that was the Biggie Marshall class. I think it was. Yeah, I think that's so a little while ago. But um, that's what, yeah, we spent a lot of the signing day in those studios and stuff. So I I miss it. It became like a Korean stage or something, right? Or what did it, what happened to it? I don't know what happened. It, it, I believe it went Bollywood and oh, then Bollywood. it went and I think now it's like uh like it's a Hispanic station now, I believe, but yeah, it's, it, but by Korean owners though, it's crazy. I'm, I'm, I miss it too. That was a fun station with, with, with a great talented group of people. It was, it was an honor to work with all of them. So Joe now, uh, Vegas guy. And, uh, so like I said, he's the publisher for inside the rebels, which is the 24 seven sports UNLV site. So I said, Hey, let's get Joe on. And we're going to, so we're basically this season, we're going to try to do a dedicated, game preview show every week with an expert for the team whoever you know whoever usc's opponent is um so we're really happy that joe was uh, going to carve out some of time from his busy schedule and come on and, and talk about the running rebels because i don't know joe i mean you know we have harvey hyde on who's former you know head coach at unlv back in the day but i don't think a lot of the usc fans know a ton about unlv really yeah, it, and really, there, there up until four years ago, with with coach when Coach Robinson from SC when he took over uh, in in the '90s, early 2000s when he was there, and and with Coach Hyde, like there really wasn't anything to really know about UNLV Rebel football because the program is one, was one of those programs that uh, would bring in guys from high school, like not even not no star guys or guys that nobody wanted or local guys. And what they would end up doing is by the fourth year, then they would go to a bowl, the, the bowl of fourth or fifth year. But um, it's a different era. It's called the new era under Tony Sanchez. He was the head coach of Bishop Gorman. He built them into the powerhouse. In fact, 
Uh, this is the first year none of his guys that he recruited to go to Gorman are at the high school. And uh, Modern Day put 42 on them last Friday and beat them 42 nothing, and they fell out of the high school rankings. Um, Tony took over UNLV. They were a bottom three program, Ryan. They they had the worst facilities. They had no expectations. The uniforms were ugly. It it was it was that program that a lot like Prairie View A and M in the nineties. It just you didn't want to go there. And Tony came in, and all of a sudden, uniforms changed. The the field markings changed at Sam Boyd Stadium to one now it's one of the best field marking stadiums in college football. Um, very big Vegas feel. And then Tony started raising the expectations and he started, he took over the offensive line average six two two sixty five. Now they're averaging over six, five, three thirty. So the offensive line has dramatically changed. He focused on the offense and defensive lines and the expectations have been raised. And now, uh, the facilities, the Fertitas who own, uh, the station casinos, um, they are big, they're UNLV alum, they're big time, uh, donors to the program. Tony himself raised $24 million to get a football complex built or starting to get actually getting built as we speak to give uh, UNLV a, a, a football only football complex. That would be in the upper third of the Pac-12. The, the, it's a 70,000 square foot facility, including a barbershop, uh, an area for chefs, you know, an area for chefs, personal chefs for the team, the team, just everything you would want in a facility. Tony raised $24 million, including $10 million from the Fertitas. Um, and truth be told, the, the, the price was raised by like $7 million in, in the last few. You know, it happened a couple of years ago, but the price with just the days and times has been raised $7 million. I don't foresee that being a problem. I have a feeling that's going to be uh, done by the end of the year. A new AD is in there. Desiree Reed Francois, the first Hispanic athletic director, woman Hispanic athletic director in college sports. She came from Virginia Tech as an associate AD, um, and the bar's been raised this year. They fully expect to go to a bowl game. This is a team that um, improved, I think, like a one-game improvement all the way up to five and seven last year. Could have, you know, could have easily made a bowl last year. Uh, so that's the goal this this time. I think they went from like a one-win team, two, three, four, moved all the way up, right, to, to five wins. Every year they've Tony has been the head coach. Uh, they've increased by one win. Okay. Um, last year... They, they blew a game against Howard week one, uh, which was nationally – it was national news. Um, they, I think they were a 38-point favorite and ended up Whoa. losing that game. Uh, but truth be told, any that was that game. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong. And I was actually calling the game for the Mountain West Network. And midway through the third quarter, we had 50-mile-an-hour wind gusts or higher start blowing in while the one – the, the way you know he's supposed to pass the ball because of the wind and their kicker who hadn't missed a field goal the year before missed three. Um, it was just that game, their leading rusher, their, the guy that that was their starting running back, Charles Williams, who was a sophomore, a true sophomore, uh, tore ligaments in his ankle. So he was out, he was missed the remaining parts of that game and was out for, for the year. Um, it just, it was that game that any and everything that Cougar wrong did, they ended up blowing a 27 point lead to air force late in the year and um, they really they beat Fresno State at Fresno State, which was a huge win. But they turned around and lost to University of Nevada Reno in a game where they probably should have won as well. They could have been an eight win team last year. Very. Easily. Oh, wow. Now, I, now, I've had a tour of the Bishop Gorman facilities. Now, this was two or three years ago. So they're probably even better than they were now. But I think when when Tony Sanchez went over, 
Was Bishop Gorman like? Did they have better facilities than than UNLV did at the time? They still do. And when when the when, <laughs> wow. when the Fertitta when the Fertitta complex is done, UNLV's facilities will be the best in the Mountain West. And again, they'll probably be in the upper half, upper third if they're in the Pac-12. Um, but right now, I mean, you look at Gorman's fields, and you know they have their practice field, and they have their stadium, and then they have a basically a football-only training facility that's three stories. When you walk in, it's a lobby with all the different uniforms they're going to wear throughout the year with the team highlight film playing in the background, their national championship trophies there. I mean, it, it, it rivals a lot of college uh, training facilities. Yeah, it's it was insane. So uh, definitely, if you go out there, check it out. There's there's some Vegas connections. Uh, you know, there are California players for sure on UNLV, but uh, Bubba Bolden played at uh, Bishop Gorman, and then Randall Grimes is – from Las Vegas, but didn't play for Gorman. But I think he played on the same like seven on seven team as some of the the Gorman guys did. So there's a couple USC connections from Vegas. Yeah, in fact, Bubba was uh, <laughs> interesting story about Bubba Bolden. He actually was the quarterback uh, up until he got to Gorman, and then when Tate Martell got there uh, in that same class, uh, he made this decision to move to safety. And um, I thought that was very interesting, but he was a very talented quarterback himself. Um, and Tony was one of the guys that Tony brought in. Uh, and then Randall Grimes, uh, yeah, he, he played at, uh, I want to say Desert Pines. Yeah, I think that's with, right. With Markel Grayson, who is the third string quarterback for UNLV right now. And uh, he was a monster. And they played on, I believe, a 702 Elite was their 7 on 7 team. Yeah, I think you're right there. Um, all right, so three seasons for Tony Sanchez, always improving. But, that, you know, long-term looks good for, for UNLV. Seems like they're trending in the right direction. But this is all about Saturday uh, coming up. It's this game. Um, it's a pretty big number. We're going to talk about that uh, later on with Rafael. I did pick uh, – I'm not really – I haven't really picked USC when there's a big number that they're they're laying. I usually pick whoever – you know, they, they, they don't cover a lot of spreads. Um, so I usually pick USC. I think it's a 26 and a half point one on this one. Uh, but you know, I, I think some of the USC fans would like to know, Hey, you know, what's good about UNLV? Maybe talk about, uh, Armani Rogers, uh, you know, who had a great freshman year last year and some of the others, you know, standout players for this team. Well, let's start with Armani, Armani Rogers. Um, if you want to look at just height, weight, speed, he's comparable to Cam Newton. He's a legitimate six, five, six, six. He's a legitimate 250 pounds. He has a rocket arm where Armani, and he, when he gets out the pocket and runs, there's not too many people that's going to catch him from behind. He's a long strider, and he's very powerful. He's a powerful runner. Where Armani struggles is the short to intermediate passing game because fundamentally he, his, he'll lose some fundamentals and he'll, he'll make some decisions or he throws. The throws will be just a little bit off, a little high, a little low. And that's so his accuracy wanes on some short to intermediate routes. Now, he's gotten a lot better since the end of last year, watching him in spring, watching him uh, all throughout fall camp. He's done a really good job of fixing and fixing those mechanics and and really um, focusing on, on that accuracy. And the, and quite frankly, Max Gilliam, who prepped out here in the OC and, and was at Cal when Armani was a Cal commit before he decommitted and went to UNLV. And then came back, went to a JUCO last year, and he's a, he's going to be a three year guy at UNLV as a as a JUCO transfer. He really showed out and had a really good uh, had really two really good scrimmages with his completions, and he had he had a couple wow throws. So UNLV has good depth at quarterback, um, running back Lexington Thomas, number three. He is 
the mountain, one of the top, I think he's the best running back returning to the mountain West being that, you know, he's a 1300 yard rusher. Um, he is, he reminds me a lot of Darren Sproles. He's very good at the short, getting the short yardage. He's, he's a powerful runner. Uh, he's only like five, seven, but he runs like he's six, one. He's a bit, you know, he's, he's well put together. Um, and he knows how to pick up the short yards and especially in the red zone. Um, he also, they also have Charles Williams, who I mentioned earlier. Um, he was actually was the starter going into last season until he hurt his ankle against Howard. Um, Charles is about 5'11". Uh, he's close to 200 pounds. He is a different runner than Lex. Uh, a lot of, I know a lot of people in the program feel that he's actually a better runner and he's a guy that could play at the next level, as they feel Lexington could himself. Uh, but Charles is a guy that, um, that they really look for, that has pushed himself um, this offseason and, and now that he's healthy to – get more playing time than what he already was going to get. So there's going to be, there's, there's probably going to be some special packages that will have um, Lexington and Charles in at the same time. Um, receiving wise, they have a, a Kendall keys is, a, is, is one of the, is going to be their, their big receiver. Um, a legitimate guy about six, three. Um, he's the type of guy that can, that can make guys miss. Um, he's playing with a little chip on his shoulder this year. His brother, Kenny, who was a UNLV safety uh, passed away unexpectedly a few weeks ago wow. um, at the age of 25. Um, and he's the type of guy that can really um, can make some guys miss, but he's had a really, really good camp. In fact, he, the coaches have been raving about him as far as his leadership and the way he's, he's conducted himself, but they have a freshman, they have a retro sophomore or excuse me, a, a sophomore and a freshman that, that's coming in. Now the sophomore is drew Techman. Uh, he's out of Atlanta, Georgia, um, he's a guy that that's a slot receiver. He can do a lot of good things. When the ball's in his hand, it's is very he's very special. And uh, they have a receiver, and um, he's number nine. His name slips slips my head at the top of the moment. He's a guy that's going to be their, their lead kick returner, and he has a different gear. I remember like, you remember how when Reggie got to USC, he just had a different gear than than most of of the players. And just, he just starts spreading the field when he runs. Uh, the kids the same way. I mean, he gets, he gets out there and the ball gets in his hands and he makes guys miss and he runs by people and he's a, he's well put together. So, you know, he has a lot of weapons on offense where I question, uh, the one question I have on their offense is, uh, the left tackle position. Their uh, their left tackle last year, Kyle Stinger, uh, he's graduated and moved on. So that's a position that we're, they, they named a starter. I'm not quite sure. Um, if he's the guy that they're going to keep using going forward, but he's the, but, but they returned, uh, everybody else from their offensive line, including Sid Acosta, who prepped at Corona Centennial and went to Riverside Community College. He, he's the anchor as a center in the middle of that line. And, and he's one hell of a football player. So I think offensively, this is a team that, you know, was, if you look at like Bill Connolly's S&P 500, you know, kind of middle, middle of the road, like, you know, there's some, like you mentioned, there's some pretty good pieces here. And you talk about a young quarterback in uh, uh, Armani Rogers, like you expect the leaps and bounds, a guy that big. The defensive side, it seems where that was the most, there was the more deficiencies, I guess you could say. Uh, maybe talk about that. Uh, I know the linebacker core is coming back, but uh, what what do you see on the defensive side for UNLV? Well, up until this past year, uh, long time, he was at Colorado and he's coached Laura Place. Uh, uh, Kent Bear was a defensive coordinator. Uh, he they they let Kent go. He's up at Montana now, and they brought in Tim Skipper. Tim was a, a running back coach at Fresno State, and then 
Um, now he uh, then he went down to Florida as the linebacker coach and has been down at University of Florida. And uh, they brought in Tim as a defensive coordinator, and it's night and day. Uh, under Kemp Bear, it was a defense that relied a lot on reading and then reacting. They're, they weren't aggressive. Um, they kind of were passive. There was things that, we, as as a as a pundit, you sit and you you watch like it's third and one. And why are you playing cover three? And they're they're in a power eye formation. They're not going to pass the ball right here. Where where now the players have bought in to to coach T Skip, um, and they they did have a big loss. Nick Dadashian, uh, another local kid out here from the OC, um, he uh, had a Liz Frank injury and he hurt it. Like I think. Uh, the last week of camp. So he had surgery last, uh, actually on Monday and he's out for the year. Um, they can, they're hopeful to get a medical redshirt with him, but that defensive line, uh, you will start there. They have three Juco kids that came in at the defensive tackle position to go along with the freshman named Chris Manoa from Chandler, Arizona. He was, I feel like the, their biggest get on national signing day, legitimate six, two legitimate, 320 pounds, long arms, very aggressive, understands the game. He treats the game like a business, very passionate. He's a guy that I think a lot of schools slept on. He's a big-time defensive tackle. He may be starting from day one. Uh, from my understanding, he, he's a guy that's going to get a lot of time. Um, the, so the defensive tackle position, is, is, is they're really deep right there. They have a couple defensive end. Uh, Jermaine Outsey is a guy that transferred in from Iowa uh, last year and he came in and he's reshaped his body this year and he's a he's a guy that can get to the quarterback Nate Neal uh, who's prepped at Etiwanda High School and he's he's a sophomore now he's a guy that uh, he, he tweaked his ankle a little bit I'm not sure if he's be good to go for the SC game this weekend but he's a guy to keep an eye on and Tim Mosley he was at uh, Dorsey High School uh, he's another huge get for him he's a guy that again long arm athletic he was a, a, he probably was going to be a four or five a four or five star guy with, with us at twenty four seven, but he lost thirty pounds going into his senior year. No one knew why. There was some family issues, so the stress got to him, and a lot of schools backed off of him. UNLV stayed on him, and he's another guy, one of those new athletic linebackers, out defensive ends that can stand up and get to the quarterback. He's a freak athlete, linebacker wise. They're led by Brady uh, uh, Latulale. Um, he he's a um, He's a he's a different type of linebacker. Um, he he can again. He's a guy that can play inside or outside. He just makes tackles. He's not going to do anything special. But Farrell Hester, uh, Jr. Farrell's the guy to keep an eye on. He he came in as a true freshman last year from Bishop Gorman. Uh, he Tony coached him for four years or th three years in high school. He's he's a guy that that is built like an NFL backer. He understands the game. He um, let, was second or he led the team in forced fumbles last year as a true freshman, ended up starting half the year. Um, he's a guy the second half of the year. He's a guy that just he's a stud and he's a guy that is really a force in the middle. Um, and, and then, you know, again, when you look at the secondary, which is probably my biggest concern, um, they have Jericho Flowers, who's probably the top one of the top two or three corners in the Mountain West Conference. But on the other side. Uh, Alex Perry, who was at Bishop Gorman, a four-star corner who ended up going to Arizona State, uh, transferred in uh, after his freshman year. So he's here now. They're waiting on the NCAA to clear him to play this season. Now, he has been cleared to transfer in to practice and participate, but he hasn't been cleared to play yet. You know, now, it is a family hardship issue why he transferred in. If Alex Perry is cleared to play, he should be the starter on the other side. And he gives UNLV two outstanding corners that can really play man or zone. And, and do a really good job in safety position 
Uh, you have a walk-on that's uh, a walk-on. This is a senior year now, Dalton Baker from Bishop Gorman. Uh, he's a guy that he, he's a try-hard guy, um, but they have a kid named Hill that's coming in, Phil Hill from from Texas. He's a three-star defensive back and play, corner or safety, hard hitter, playmaker. Uh, Greg Francis is another guy from Gorman that, that came in with Farrell Hester. Um, he's another playmaking safety Um they really like what they have at the safety position, but I think they're a little thin at both spots. Um, all right, so we'll see what this uh, defense develops into. Um, I think you know, offensively, you're gonna. There's some some really good pieces there. We'll see what happens on defense. What about the special teams side of things? What what have you seen so far through the fall from UNLV? Well, their kicker Evan Pantels is a guy that two years ago he was the, arguably the best kicker in the Mountain West. He he kicked, he punted. Um, he handled the kickoffs. I, th- I believe he either missed one field goal or didn't miss a field goal, didn't miss any extra points. And then last year he fell off and he was injured a lot last year. He's fully healthy and he's back to kicking now. He's got a decent lay. He can probably kick from 40 to 45 yards out uh, fairly consistently. Uh, he's, I believe he's hit from like 47, 48 uh, in the past. Um, and he, I believe he's going to handle both duties again this year. Um, and return wise, uh, you know, Talik number nine, Talik is, just, he's a stud. He's a guy that he gets the ball in his hands as a return man. Good things are going to happen with it. Uh, Drew Techman will be a guy back there returning as well as uh, Presley, Brandon Presley, another receiver. Uh, Darren Woods Jr., another receiver will also be out there, um, you know, presumably, you know, in a pinch to return some kicks and punts. So you have, um, you have a good group of returners. Um, and because you, this is the first time in, in a number of years that UNLV is deep. They're too deep across the board for the most part in every positional group. That's going to help out their special teams. Um, that's something that they haven't had in, in recent years. And at this point, when you look at when you look at what they bring on special teams, you got a lot of guys. This is the fastest UNLV team has ever had. This is the biggest, the most, most athletic team that UNLV has ever had. So because of that, special teams should be much improved. All right, Joe Arrigo, love talking football with you. It's been way too long. I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, out there in the Coliseum, in the being renovated Coliseum, in the temporary press box of the Coliseum. <laughs> I'm not sure what to – yeah, well, we, we got a tour. So it's uh, it's kind of like shipping containers up there on the 45 rows up uh, that you'll just be sitting on. So it'll be a different view. You're going to be a lot closer to the field than you normally are in a big stadium like that. Well, I'm just glad to come home. This is the first time I'm able to, I've, since I've been gone, I'm able to go back to the Coliseum. It's good. I'm interested to see the renovations. And, you know, it, at the end of the day, Ryan, you know, I'm always going to want NC to win. And this is one of those games where, you know, I know the, I know the point spread's high. If UNLV can play, like, play a lot like they did against UCLA two years ago where it was a close game and just kind of put a little scare in USC, I think UNLV will come away happy. Um but I think I just think 26 and a half is too much. I, I, I especially game one, weird things happen during the oh, first yeah. week of the football season. And you're talking about a big athletic quarterback. I mean, there's, just, uh, there's, that's just a lot of points for me. And I'm not saying, you know, certainly USC could win by 35 and you know, whatever. They're a really talented team. They got four and five star guys all over the place, but you know, being the freshman quarterback starting for the first time, being that's not really USC's MO to try to beat point spreads like that. Um, you could see it maybe being like a four touchdown game at some point, but you know, starters come out and it ends up being like a 17 point win or something. I could totally see that happening. You know, um, we'll, yeah, see, well, we'll see. Well, 
like UNLV last year against Ohio State, like they got mollywopped in the first half. But the second half, Ohio State put their second and third teamers in, and that's more comparable to what UNLV was going up against. And they played really well in the second half of the game. So I, 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 I this is a different team. This is the first time, and I don't know, you know, how many coaches actually have their first four years at a university by their fourth year have 100% of their guys. Tony has that at UNLV this year. That's almost unprecedented. These are all his guys. There's no excuses. He doesn't have to focus on uh, raising funds any longer and fundraising. He doesn't have to focus on anything other than coaching his football team to a bowl win. And hopefully if you're a UNLV fan, you know, you can get to a, get to a bowl game this year. And if you're a USC fan, this is just step one to another national championship. All right. So this game is 1 p.m. Saturday uh, at the L.A. Coliseum. Uh, soon to be United something Coliseum. I don't know, but we'll, it's also going to be joint forces day. So there'll be a pregame flyover. If you want to get out there a little bit early. And if you are going to the game that, that what they stressed was, you know, they were trying to get you to take the Metro. Although I tried to take it home from a USC practice and it was the worst experience of my life. So I'm not recommending that at all. Cause I don't want anyone to come back to me and say, I took this bus and it was terrible. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you to do that, but that's what they're trying to encourage. So you can make your own choice there, but you can't park at the Coliseum. Our media lots are gone. Those lots are, there's no pay parking lots at the Coliseum anymore. So if you have a permit, that's cool. You can go park on somebody's lawn, but then there's some other public things around that, but no more public parking there. Get there early. You can't walk all the way around the Coliseum anymore because it's a construction zone where the, with the, uh, press box and the towers going up. So look on your ticket and make sure you go to the right gate. I can't stress enough, people, do not do what you normally do to USC games because you're not going to be happy when you get there. It's going to be it's going to be crazy, I think, Joe. For I don't know about for us. We'll see. But, at, you know, we're there early because we're working. But yeah. if you were trying to get in there, like, you know, 15 minutes before kickoff, uh, good luck. <laughs> oh, boy. It's going to be interesting. I, I'm, I'm, I dread – I have friends coming out for the game, and I told them they, – they asked uh, what time should they get there. And I was like, get there early. Early. And, and plan to stay a little bit later because I, I, it's probably going to be hell trying to get out of there as well. Yeah, for sure. All right, so follow him on Twitter, Joe Arrigo, A-R-R-I-G-O. He's the publisher for Inside the Rebels. You can follow them on Twitter at Inside the Rebels or InsideTheRebels.com. Uh, Joe, thank you so much and looking forward to seeing you. You too, brother. Can't wait to do it again. Thank you for having me on. Oh, anytime. Thanks so much, Joe. I'm looking forward to that. We're going to take a quick break and back with uh, Rafael Esparza. We'll talk about that, what the line is for this game and where Rafael thinks uh, the, the smart money is. So we'll be through that in about 60 seconds. You know, ever since I started the Peristyle podcast, people have been asking me for betting advice. Are the Trojans going to cover the spread? Truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. You can lay down some cash and win big today. That's why I'm urging you to go make your way to my bookie. You win and they pay. They have in-game, live betting, and the most rewarding player perks in the business and all you fantasy gurus out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So if you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code PARASTYLE to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code PARASTYLE when creating an account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. 
All right, we are back on the Peristyle podcast as promised. We have Rafael Esparza from Docs Sports Service. He's also an oddsmaker consultant for mybookie.ag. He's going to be with us all season talking about the odds. Now, you legalized, you can gamble across America. We're going to talk about the odds of uh, you know, the betting lines and things like that for each USC game. I know a lot of our listeners are really interested in that, and Rafael is going to help us out with all that stuff. So welcome, Rafael. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? Can't complain, man. And uh, how can uh, people follow you on Twitter and stuff? They you know, want to check that out. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at VSI Doc Sports. You can also find me uh, on Twitter at BetCelebs. I, like I said, I'm an odds maker for uh, for my bookie, and I do all the crazy celebrity odds as well for uh, my bookie. So all the crazy stuff you see on President odds and Emmys and horror movies, that's me. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool stuff. Uh, well, we this is a you know USC sports podcast, USC football podcast. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, the first game's coming up this weekend. We uh, did a preview earlier, but we wanted to kind of get the numbers side of things, especially because it's UNLV. This is a Vegas, <laughs> you know, this is a Vegas school. Um, maybe tell people about what the the lines are, the over under, and stuff like that for this game this weekend. Well, I mean, you guys are playing UNLV, so it should be, I don't want to say a cakewalk. UNLV is not a football dominant school. Granted, they have a better coach, but I still think they're not an elite team. They're 26 and a half point favorite USC. And if I was a betting man to bet on this game, you maybe look at UNLV just because Ohio or USC, sorry about that, is 0-5 against the spread against their last five non-conference games. They've only covered uh, five out of their last six home games. So it's a big number. Is USC going to win? Yes. Is USC going to win by three touchdowns? I see them winning by three touchdowns. Covering that big 26, uh, 26 number could be a stretch because I could see UNLV playing for pride in the fourth quarter and maybe throwing in a junky touchdown and U, uh, USC doesn't really care. Uh, I like USC to win big by three touchdowns, but covering that 26 number, I might say take the running Rebels. Yeah, you know, that's funny. Like Last year, I'm no expert by any means, but I do uh, my podcast of champions show. I do with David Woods and we pick all the Pac-12 games. And my rule had been just USC doesn't cover all that much, uh, especially big numbers. I didn't realize 0-5 against the the number in out-of-conference games. But until this team could be different, you know, we'll see. They have a true freshman starting at quarterback. But I'm keeping with I, my I definitely picked UNLV. Um, you know, I, I just felt like in this case, until USC proves that they can beat big spreads like this, I'm just going to kind of hold off. So I'm, I'm glad you seem to be on the same side I'm on. Yeah, it's just a huge number. Like I said, tw- three touchdowns, yes. 26, uh, I think the running Rebels throw in a junk touchdown, and all the USC betters are mad walking out of the stadium. Granted, they won, but they're still mad. What about the uh, – what's the over-under on this one? Uh, over-under, 68 and a half. I, I tend to lean towards the under just on that one because USC's defense – no one's really talking about their defense this year. I think it's going to be much improved. I think their speed and the secondary is going to be really fast, really good, hitting hard. No one's talking about the Trojan defense. Uh, I like their defense. I think UNLV is going to have a very hard time scoring in the first half. That's why I lean towards the under on that one. 68, uh, 68 and a half, those are two numbers out there. I say look at the under because I just don't see UNLV scoring uh, in, the 20, in the 20 range to get this game to go over. So it's a big, uh, you know, not a huge weekend for USC because it's UNLV, but Washington's playing uh, Auburn. That's a huge one for the Pac-12. But overall for the Pac-12, the media poll had Washington picked first in the north. Uh, USC picked first in the south, and Washington is the favorite. 
Uh, does mybookie.ag agree with that, or what? What are the odds to to win the Pac-12 for uh, on mybookie.ag? Yeah, Washington's uh, the, the small favorite. They're minus one ten. USC's two to one. Uh, Stanford plus three fifty. Uh, Oregon plus four fifty. I like Stanford as a dark. I, I shouldn't say a dark horse or three and a half, but that running game of love. Uh, which he's my Heisman Trophy uh, uh, favorite. He's at uh, four and a half to one to win a Heisman. Uh, Isaac Love can carry that offense. Uh, Stanford can uh, get some defensive play in a second half uh, other other schedule. They could be a force to reckon with, but I think it's Washington to lose in the Pac-12. But again, I mentioned USC's defense. No one's talking about it. It could be the big difference. Uh, maybe we see USC maybe getting a final four spot when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think they're talented enough to do it. We'll see if they can put it together. But I, I wouldn't be shocked. But, you know, we'll see. There's, there's a lot a lot between now and then. One last quick thing before we let you go. Um, any dark horse candidates for Heisman? Uh, last year we got to talk a lot about Sam Darnold, what his odds were. They kind of went steadily down as the season went on. But maybe like a Stephen Carr or a, a JT Daniels who just was named the starting quarterback. Are they on the board at all for like the Heisman odds? Um, they're uh, they're not the long ones. I like Jonathan Taylor plus six fifty. Brandon Woodenbush forty to one. I think if they get anything kind of uh, action going on it, but I think uh, Khalil Tate uh, ten to one. He could be something sure, yeah. that's really interesting. Uh, if you like defense, uh, the Ohio State Nick Bosa a uh, hundred to one. I know defense doesn't <laughs> play well, but I think he's going to come up a chip on his shoulder and a hundred to one. Let's say Ohio State shocks people. And, and and come undefeated. Let's say they're close in the into the final four. They're in the final four, and Bosa's having a monster season. A hundred and one ticket. That's a nice ticket to have to maybe hedge if he can get just to the <laughs> dance to sit in that just to sit in that chair in New York. It's a nice hedge ticket for a hundred and one. But I still think it's Bryce Love. He's a uh, plus four fifty that to win the Heisman. I, I think he's gonna have a monster season on the ground. That offensive line of Stanford's brutal. I think he's going to have a big season. So give me Bryce Love at uh, plus 450. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a good pick. And we'll see. Uh, Khalil Tate could be the most exciting player. A lot of, lot of uh, talent in the Pac-12, even like a Jake Browning. Not the strongest arm in the world, but he might put up some big numbers at Washington. We'll see if JT Daniels comes out and has you know throws for 450 yards and five touchdowns against UNLV. Maybe he gets on the board or Stephen Carr or something. So we'll, we'll kind of follow that throughout the season. But... Uh, Rafael, yeah, we're, we're, we're oh. always we're always adding people and we're always throwing out people in that list. <laughs> nice. All right, Rafael Esparza. So he's uh, for, with Doc Sports Service and also a odds maker consultant for MyBookie.ag. Follow him on Twitter at VSI Doc Sports. Rafael, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Not a problem. You have a great rest of the week and a great weekend. All right, that's Rafael Esparza. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in to our UNLV preview show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.